God bless you, my friends. Thank you for leading us in such great worship this morning. You know, that last, that last phrase that we're singing in that song is both a question and a declaration. And this is how great his love is for us and that while we were still sinners, the Bible says, Jesus Christ died for us so that we could find salvation, so that we could be set free from the, the grip that sin has, the power that sin has in our lives and set us free from all of that. That's how great the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of our Father in heaven is for you, my friends. And that ought to encourage your heart. I'm encouraged that you've joined with us today and I wanna invite you now to take your Bibles out and turn to Genesis chapter 41. I'm so excited about this part of the message, um, part of the story because today is the turning point. Today is the turn in Joseph's story as he moves from the dungeon experiences to the palace. And um, can I get an amen on that? Is anybody like, finally, we get some good news in Joseph's life. That's where we are today. We're going to see the turn take place, where we're gonna see the exaltation and the promotion that God had promised Joseph and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 41, so hopefully you have your Bible um, there as we get started. Now, I came across a really cool study this week, and it was a study exploring all the ways that Joseph um, and the, his life circumstances mirror the life circumstances of Jesus Christ. Um, you can study this and find out that Joseph is a type of Christ, an Old Testament type of Christ. The, the doctrinal term for that is he is a foreshadowing of Jesus. So you can look at Joseph's life and see things that are happening in his life that will mirror what's going to happen in Jesus' life. Things like they were both the most loved by their fathers. Um, both had prophecies over their lives that they would rule God's people. This was an interesting one. Uh, both were sold by one of the 12 named Judah. See, his, Joseph's brother Judah sold him, and Judas, one of the 12, sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Judas is the New Testament name for the Old Testament name Judah. I thought that was really cool as I came across that this week. Both were with two others that were condemned to die, and one was pardoned and given back his life. Both of them were 30 years old when they entered into public service to bring about the salvation of the world. And both offered forgiveness to those who sought to destroy them. Very interesting study. I would encourage you. In fact, I think our online hosts right now are posting the link to the study that I used uh, this week. But there are all kinds of them. The one that they're going to post is the, is the link to Joseph, a type of Christ. And I appreciate the study um, that I worked on, I hope that you would be encouraged with it also. Now, the more that I study the life of Joseph in preparation for bringing these messages to you, the more I realize how interesting it is that my life experiences, like Joseph's life experience, were a foreshadowing of Jesus. It's interesting how I can look back at Joseph's life experiences and see my life experiences in them. It's like looking in the mirror of what he is going through and the things that I have had to go through. Have you seen, have you seen yourself in Joseph's story? I, do you, does it seem like you've been watching elements of your life 
unfold as we unfold the story of Joseph. I know that it's true for many of you because you've texted me or you've emailed me or we've had conversations and you're saying, man, I just can't believe how much I'm seeing my life and my life circumstances being mirrored in this story of Joseph and how much it's helped me right now in the middle of my circumstances that I find myself. If that's you, then, the, then I want to say good, because that's the way it's supposed to be. When we, when we approach God's word, which, by the way, this is God's inspired word. This is truth that we have, God wanting to talk to us. When we open up his word and we read these stories, we're supposed to be able to see our lives in it and how we're supposed to adjust our lives like the men of old and the women of old who adjusted their lives in the plan of God for them. It's been interesting as we've gone through this whole thing. We've watched as Joseph grew up in a dysfunctional, spoiling, favoring family culture built on a multi-generational foundation of lying and manipulation. And it's forced many of us to look deep into our own family's dysfunction and try to analyze it and try to look at how it's affected us and, and make adjustments to it. Many of us can totally relate to what Joseph went through and we see our family in the mirror of Joseph's family. Some of us have escaped from that, but others of us are right in the middle of it, wrestling with it right now and wondering how will we ever escape the craziness? Well, this has helped us. And it's been really good for us to look into this and make those, that analysis for our own lives. And the interesting thing here is that in the midst of all that dysfunction, there is no mention of sin, which is another picture of Jesus. There's no mention of disrespect on Joseph's part to his parents for the way that they handled things or his grandparents or his great-grandparents and the way that they handled things. It's been great as we've seen Joseph as being despised and hated by his brothers, mistreated and abused by those that he trusted. I mean, these were his brothers, his older brothers, those who were supposed to love him and protect him and stand up for him. Instead, they hated him, and they didn't want him around, and they planned to kill him. And yet, in Joseph's story, there is no mention of sin and no mention of bitterness on his part. And it has forced every one of us to look into the mirror of our own times of mistreatment, the crimes and the sins committed against us and committed against those that we love, and ask the question, am I like Joseph in the way that I have responded to those who have sinned against me. We've observed Joseph handling the success and promotion in Potiphar's house. And so he goes from a slave and he's sold into Potiphar's house and then he's elevated immediately into a place of the number one guy in Potiphar's house trusted with everything in Potiphar's house. And yet he didn't get so full of himself that he thought he had the right to help himself to all of his master's goods. Even when it was thrown up in his face day after day and the temptation of it was there every single day. And again, no mention of sin. Not even taking a little taste. Not living on the edge of temptation, but instead running from it as fast as he could with, I can't sin this great sin against my God in his heart and in his mind and actually on his lips. And we've had to look into the mirror and ask ourselves, is this how we handle temptation? 
Do I need to get a new pair of running shoes? Many of us, I think, actually went out and got a new pair of running shoes so we can run away from the temptations that we're facing and follow his example. It's been good for us, hasn't it? It's been good for us to look into these stories and analyze our own life. Just lately, we've witnessed the false accusation and the unjust punishment and the prolonged imprisonment We've called it the long, dark night of the pit or the long silence followed by the false hope of the cupbearer who Joseph thought would be his salvation only to be betrayed and and cursed to wait day after day waiting and hoping for deliverance for two long years. Well, I know for some of you, and I know it has been for me, it's, it's mirrored our own Dungeness experiences. It's forced me to evaluate how I am handling the darkness of the pit and the long waiting and wondering if God's ever going to show up and deliver us. Now, I just want to say this. Most of us will have no problem seeing ourselves in the mirror of Joseph's story up until this point, relating to his story up until this point. But we're seeing a turn here, and what we're about to witness in chapter 41 is an exaltation and a promotion that very few of us, if any of us, have ever experienced or even know of anybody who has experienced it. So relating is going to be a problem in some ways And we might have a tendency, you might have a tendency to check out of the story at this point, and I want to encourage you to not do that. In fact, I'm going to try to help step you into leaning into the story even more on the exaltation promotion side of Joseph's story than you have been relating on the dungeon side and the mistreatment side of Joseph's story, okay? Genesis 41, let's look deep into the mirror of your life in Jesus Christ, as we continue with the story. Now, Joseph um, is interpreting Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh has a dream, and Joseph interpreted it like this. There's going to be seven years of abundance, and there's going to be seven years of famine in the land of Egypt. And then he rolls out this plan that God gave him, this worldwide management program. God planted it into his mind, and he gives it to Pharaoh, and he suggests to Pharaoh that he finds a wise administrator to manage the project. And now we come to our story in verse 39 of Genesis 41. So let's, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to draw some practical application, okay? Verse 39. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. That's crazy exaltation and promotion. You all agree, right? Verse 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand, placed it on Joseph's finger, dressed him in fine linen clothing, and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh was put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, Zephanath Paneah, 
He also gave him a wife whose name was Aseneth. She was the daughter of Potiphar. Now that's not Potiphar, it's a different person, Potiphar, the priest of On. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. And as predicted, for seven years, the land produced bumper crops. During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and stored the grain from the surrounding fields in the cities. He piled up huge amounts of grain like sand of the seashore. And finally, I love that, finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. Let me just stop right here and just say that when God brings abundance into your life, this is the kind of abundance. When God promises abundance in your life, when God promises to give you years of abundance, this is what he's talking about right here. Verse 53, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end. Then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries, but throughout Egypt there was plenty of food. Eventually, however, the family spread, famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe throughout the world. Okay, now right now, many of you are tempted to say, no way, the story just took an unreal turn. We've gone into fairyland now. I don't believe it. There are no happy endings like this in people's lives. They're making this up. So the story must not be true because there's no way this kind of stuff happens in people's life. And even if it did happen to Joseph, there's no way this is ever going to happen to me. Now, is anybody with me when we read a story like this? Because this is miraculous stuff that we're looking at. Now, let me challenge your thinking because you serve a supernatural, almighty God who is at work in your life and he's at work in my life. And I want to remind you that God has a great, big, God-sized, miraculous, supernatural plan for your life just like he had for Joseph. And you don't believe me right now. Some of you are like, yeah, right. There's no way my life is ever going to turn out like this. Well, I want to remind you that Joseph's story here, Romans 15, 4 says, Joseph's story was written to teach us. Who's it written to? It's written to believers, those who know Jesus Christ. It's written to us. Why? So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we, we, his children, might have hope. My friends, listen to me. This story of Joseph is written so that we today, so that you can be encouraged. We look into the mirror of Joseph's story to see our own, to find the strength to endure and the encouragement to take our next step and to wait for the glorious work of God to be established in us and to be established through us. Are you listening to me? Ages before time, the scripture teaches us that ages before time, God himself saw you And he saw your unformed body, 
And he has a book, and in that book, he wrote down the days and the plans that he has laid out for your life before you even lived out one of them, and he wrote every single one of them down, Psalm 139, 16. Take a look at Proverbs 23, 18. It'll be on the screen. There is surely a future for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Why did God write that down, and why did he preserve it so that today we can read it? It's because he wants you to know that your future is secure in him. It's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon him holding your life in his hands, providing an exaltation and a deliverance for you, just like for Joseph, and your hope will not be cut off. You feel like you don't have any hope today? Take hope in this, that you will not, your hope will not be cut off. Ephesians 2, 1 says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us brand new in Jesus Christ so that we can do the things that he planned for us to do long ago before the foundation of the earth. That's what he's doing in you, just like he is doing in, hope, in, in Joseph's life. Look deep into the mirror of Joseph's story as we go through this part. Don't check out because we're gonna see that our exaltation and our promotion and gifting and usefulness and value that God through his son Jesus Christ has placed into your ordinary, messed up, dysfunctional life and mine. You will see God's hand in your life just like it was in Joseph. So let's keep going because after Joseph, with God's help, interprets the dream, and lays out the management plan, I want you to see, as we look into the mirror here, verse 38, what happened? Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the Spirit of God, I want you to circle obviously filled. Circle it a couple of times, circle it three times, circle it four times, put a big exclamation point. Because this is how we're supposed to be living. Because God wants his people to shine so brightly that people all around us that don't know the Lord look at us and say, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? You ought to raise your hand right now because he's talking about you. And you ought to be saying, here I am, I am, I have the Holy Spirit of God in my life. Take a good look and see if you can't see yourself because Jesus has promised in John 14, 16, he says, I will ask my father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now, just wherever you are, say that out loud with me right now. Say it. How long will he be with us? Forever. Say it out loud. Say it again. Forever. That's how long the Holy Spirit of God has been promised to be with those who give their hearts to him. He is the Holy Spirit, and he leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Because it has, isn't looking for him, it doesn't recognize him, but you know him. Why? Because he lives with you and later will be in you. And on the day of Pentecost, my friends, the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and he has indwelt them ever since. And you have the same Holy Spirit that was in Joseph, that, that Potiphar that Potiphar, that Pharaoh, I'm sure Potiphar saw it too, but Pharaoh saw in Joseph the Holy Spirit that was guiding him and helping him and providing peace and strengthening him and enlightening him to the truth and to this plan and giving him favor with Pharaoh. It's the same Holy Spirit that is in you. 
He hasn't changed. His power hasn't diminished. You and I have the same Holy Spirit of God inside of us, living in us, indwelling our hearts and our lives, just the same as Joseph had. God is still working in and through his people and accomplishing his plan on the earth today, just like he was in Joseph's day. And the world, my friends, like Pharaoh, is crying out, can we find a man like this? Can we find a woman like this so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Raise your hands, my brothers and sisters, if you know the Lord. Come on, we have some people in here, some of our tech people. Raise your hand and get excited because you have this same Holy Spirit of God. This is you. And the world is crying out for us to be what Jesus created us to be, to be the light of the world and to let our lights show shine before all the people of the world so that they can be drawn to us. They will see the obvious Holy Spirit and his power at work in us just like Pharaoh did in Joseph's time, empowering us to do the miraculous things that God has in store for his children to do. Now let me take you here and I want you to look deeper into the mirror, okay? Verse 40, Pharaoh says, you'll be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Verse 41, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Verse 42, you have all my authority and power at your disposal. I will dress you in all of my glory and put my ring of power on your hand for all to understand and all to see. Verse 44, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. In other words, under Pharaoh himself, who was the most powerful man on the planet at the time, who was the king of the world at the time, underneath him, Joseph was the most powerful man on the planet. Can you see it, my friends? Can you see yourself in that? What are you talking about, Phil? This is what I'm talking about. Jesus said, all authority and power in heaven and on earth are mine. Now, let me just back up and stop right here and just say this. Jesus is God. Jesus isn't just the Son of God. Jesus is God himself. And so Jesus possesses all the power, all the authority of the universe. And he says that all authority and power in heaven and on earth are mine. And I am sending you into the world with that same power and authority in the form of the Holy Spirit that I am going to plant inside of you. Ephesians says, I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing and I have equipped you with the gifts of my spirit to do immeasurably more through, the, through you. I'm gonna do immeasurably more through you than you can even ask or imagine how according to the power that is going to be at work in you that I have given you in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Are you getting excited at all? Or can you see? Check this out, verse 45. If you haven't, if you're not getting excited yet, this should excite you and start to perk your spirit up a little bit here about who you are in Jesus Christ. Verse 45, Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, Zephanath Paneah. Zephanath Paneah, you know what it means? Check this out. Where God speaks and lives. Now what's crazy 
is that Pharaoh, that's what Pharaoh saw in Joseph. And so it gives him a name that describes what he saw in him. This is where God speaks and lives. Are you getting excited at all? I mean, at all? Are you seeing it? Where does God live and speak on the earth today? It's in and through his children in the work of the Holy Spirit of God. We are actually called the temple of the Holy Spirit, the place where Jesus lives. Jesus says, I will give you my spirit, so my spirit will be in you, and I will be with you because my spirit is in you, so I will be in you. And by the way, I am one with my Father, and so my Father is coming with me, and so we have inside of us the Holy Spirit, the Son and the Father residing inside of us, helping us, strengthening us, empowering us, the same Holy Spirit that Joseph had. Whoever trusts in Jesus for forgiveness of sins, whoever commits their life to him and believes on him is the one who Jesus, the one who is the name above all names, will change us and make us a new creation. And then Jesus said, you will be my disciples. And the people were called Christians who were following Jesus, and that word Christian means little Christ. We get a new life in him, we get a new purpose in him, and we get a whole new identity. And can I just pause and speak to those of you who might be listening today? And some of this is confusing to you because you're not exactly sure what having new life in Jesus is all about. Or you are understanding it for the first time right now and you're feeling convicted by the Spirit of God right now about your sin. And you know that you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know it's, it's worked on you today already that he's loved you so much that he gave his life for you. I want to tell you something, that if you would just reach out and do what I did many years ago and just confess your sin, admit that you're a sinner, humble yourself before God and confess your sin to him and say, I believe in you. I believe that you are the son of God, Jesus. I believe that you died for me and for my sins and I have no way of receiving salvation outside of that. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe that you are the son of God. I want you to be my Lord and I want you to be my savior. If you would do that today, you will have the same new life because you will receive the same Holy Spirit that I have, the same Holy Spirit that Joseph had in order to do the powerful works that God has planned for you if you would just give your life to him. I want you to see what Jesus promises to all who believe in Revelation 2, verse 17 and 3, 12. He says, I will give to each one. These are the people that are his children. These are the people that have given their lives to Jesus, like I just explained. I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also, this is so cool, I will also write on them my new name. I don't know what that name is, but that is my new name. Jesus is going to get a new name. So he writes on us a new name, the name of God, the name of Jerusalem, and his new name. 
It is a new name that represents the new you that you are in Jesus Christ. How exciting is this, that we can see, we can look into this exaltation and promotion and actually see our own exaltation and promotion. You got one more in you? Let me show you this. Look at verse 56. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses. Would you just underline that in your Bible? And then in the margin of your Bible, write down my responsibility. Just write that somewhere in your Bible or in your notes somewhere. Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout the whole land. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph. Why? Because the famine was severe throughout the world. Let me just tell you something, okay? And it's very important for us to understand this as we talk about exaltation and promotion. God exalted Joseph, not for Joseph's sake, not for Joseph's comfort, not for Joseph's happiness. God exalted Joseph, brought him up out of that dungeon, brought him up out of the pit, cleaned him up, set him on a pedestal, promoted him to a to place of authority and power so that he could bring salvation to the world in his day. Do you understand this, my friends? Because the same is true of you and me. The same thing happened to Moses. God exalted him and then told him, look at Exodus 9, 16. I have raised you up and have shown you my power. Why? So that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Do you see it, my friends? Hudson Taylor said this, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. C.S. Lewis says, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. Now the church is talking about you and me. That's why we exist. God became man for no other purpose than this. Listen to me. God didn't call your name, pick you up, forgive your sins, adopt you as his child, give you an inheritance that never will fade with the promise of a home in heaven just to make you happy, just so that you can escape the flames of hell. He didn't reconcile you to himself just so that you can enjoy reconciliation. Like Joseph, he lifted up your head and he brought you up out of the pit so that you can, like Joseph, open up the storehouses of heaven and bring salvation to all of those who are dying of spiritual malnutrition because the, severe, the, 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 the famine is so severe in the world. It's severe right here, my friends, in Elkhart County, but this spiritual famine is severe around the entire world. That's why we've been exalted. That's why he's given us power and authority. We are the dispensers of his truth. We are the caravan of righteousness. We are his cargo trailers of life-saving critical supplies to those who are starving worldwide. We are the people to whom the whole earth can come to buy the bread of life and to drink freely from the fountain of living water, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you and I'm imploring you and I'm begging you to look into the mirror, my friends, of Joseph's story and see in it your story 
Because he was exalted, he was promoted, he was given authority, he was given power to reign, he was equipped and gifted to save, to bring salvation to the world, and the very same is true of you, no matter what your background, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you have done in the past, no matter how many times you have failed, no matter how deep in the pit you have been, no matter how depressed you have been, the Lord Jesus Christ is lifting you up out of that for one reason and one reason only is to open Open up the storehouses and provide salvation to a world, the same salvation that he provided for you and your life. No matter what you find yourself in right now, whatever, what pit you find yourself in, you're there. Remember last week we talked about the gold that is being refined? You're being refined to be given favor and to be equipped and enabled to do this work that God has planned for you. Before the beginning of time, he has planned a great, big, God-sized, miraculous, supernatural way to bring salvation to the world who are desperately hungry and dying and in need of hope that is in you because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's called you to it. And all we have to do in the power, not in our own power and our own strength, in the power of the Holy Spirit of God is walk it out. Are you ready to walk it out? Are you ready to just throw it, throw all of your inhibition and throw it out the door, all of your insecurity and throw it out the door, all of your past failures and throw them out the door, all of the things that you hear, the voices in your mind that you hear from people of your past that say, you can't be that, you can't do that, you're nothing, and throw it out the door because, my friends, you are a child of the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And tell the whole world and let the whole world see the obvious filling of the Holy Spirit that you possess inside of you as you serve the world around you. What a better time for us to be alive. There's no greater time to be alive in the church of Jesus Christ than right now. Because the world needs us so much. We're in a place of famine. And people don't understand what's going on. We're in a, we're unprecedented times. I mean, you're sick of hearing that word, right? I'm sick of hearing that word myself. But it is true. And the worst thing that believers can do, the worst thing for us, is to just hunker down and, and hold back and stay in the background and, and like, let's just wait, let's just... You know, let's just wait and see what happens. And I'm not talking about gathering together. That's a whole other issue, okay? Don't go like, yeah, Phil, well, you're doing it. You're not letting us gather till July. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about whether we can gather together. We're talking about going out. We're supposed, our influence in the world is not when we gather together. That's where we get power and we str and strengthen each other in the Lord. But it's when we go out is when the power, that's where the, the power and the light is displayed is in our world out there. And I'm, the challenge to you is this. See your story in Joseph. Look in the mirror of Joseph's story because the same exaltation and the same promotion and the same authority and the same power is yours. Walk in it. Use it. And God will do things through you that he has planned before the foundations of the earth. He will do miraculous things through you and in you 
immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Let's pray. Our Father, I am so thankful for this story that mirrors who we are in your son, Jesus Christ. I don't know why. I'm overwhelmed with the fact that you called my name. That you enlightened my eyes to see truth. That you opened my heart to receive your gift of salvation, to believe in who you are. That you humbled my heart to confess my sin so that I can be a new creation. Thank you so much for that. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for the work. You've been working in me from that very, from the very beginning of time, you've been working to bring me to a place of acceptance. And I just pray that you'll do that work in mighty ways in my brothers and sisters, but also those who don't know you yet, that you'll do the same for them. Please, Lord, do the same for them that you did for me. Open their eyes. Help them to see. But all of us, I pray that you'll open our eyes to the power and authority that is ours in your spirit, Lord Jesus, to go out and do all the things you have planned and saved us to do. Help us to open up the storehouses of heaven so that people can come and eat and drink freely of the bread of life and the living water. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today. We wanna help you And if you accepted Christ as your savior today, if you went ahead and prayed that prayer, I just am so proud of you and so thankful that you gave your heart to Jesus. And I wanna be the first to welcome you into the family, this new life that you have now in Jesus Christ. And we would love to have the opportunity to walk alongside of you and help you through baptism and help you in your walk with the Lord and your new walk with him. So I'd encourage you to please fill out a card, um, a connection card on our app And let us get connected with you and help you in your new walk with Jesus Christ. Congratulations if that's you. For the rest of us, the challenge is clear. Let's get out there and make it happen in the power and strength of the Lord. Until we meet next time, God bless you. We love you. And the Lord Jesus Christ loves you too. Goodbye. Thank you for joining our worship service online today. Our prayer is that the worship and the teaching has left an impression on your heart and that God will use it to inspire you to love God, love people, and penetrate our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or if you need prayer, you can let us know by clicking the link to our online connection card. And then if you haven't yet taken advantage of it, you can download our church app where we have all of our announcements and opportunities and you can also use it to share this week's message with a friend. And then you can also check out our website, fbclcart.org, to stay connected with us that way as well. God bless, have a great week and we'll see you here again next week.